And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. How healthy are the people at your business? How healthy are you as an entrepreneur? Everyone knows that entrepreneurs are a little bit crazy, and there's a reason for that. There's a lot of stress that comes with owning a business, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the role of health and wellness in different kinds of organizations. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is brought to you by Trinet, the fastest way for HR expertise, most of us know and understand that small to medium-sized businesses face unique HR challenges. That's why Trinet is a full-service HR provider that offers 24-7 support. They can help you handle your toughest HR questions so you're free to focus on your people and your growing business. Visit Trinet.com to learn more or click the link in the show notes. With me today, I've got Heath Wessling. Heath is the owner and founder of the Kansas City Wellness Club. You can go to kcwellnessclub.com to learn more about what they do. I will give you a brief overview and introduce Heath here in just a second, but just letting you know that the Kansas City Wellness Club is a natural and eco-friendly wellness, fitness center, spa, salon, yoga studio. They do all kinds of stuff revolving around the core principles that reside in holistic health, beautification, information discovery, and traditional time-tested treatments. Heath, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks, Matt. Really glad to be here. Yeah, I like to say no, no one tells the story of their own business better than the owners and founders themselves. So why don't you guys give us a little bit of backstory about why you started the Casey Wellness Club? Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a very fortunate individual. I've been guided a lot in my life. Um, worked at uh, 18 years at a large healthcare IT company, um, focused around systems and systematizing processes so that they don't have human intervention and uh, got to live in London for three years, traveled the world um, and noticed how much we all share similarities. We all have so much in common uh, yet our very few differences are the ones that get amplified in the daily noises that we hear too often. Um, I also fell in love with real estate. And <clears throat> when I got back here to the United States after the London journey, I started up a real estate investment company. Um, it was also the same time that uh, Cerner decided to, the company I was working for, decided to uh, bring up wellness programs for their own employees and uh, and truly walk the walk of making people healthier. There's a lot of different definitions of what people think is better health, especially these days. Um, but they started walking the walk and I was uh, in the right place at the right time to be the uh, project manager for that. And for the better part of a decade, I led the implementation team for all of the wellness programs that uh, we provided to external companies, employers, hospitals, health plans, anybody who wanted to get the people that they were responsible for healthier. 
uh, and provided uh, programs for millions of people and learned what incentivized them, what motivated them on a mass scale, what gets people ticking, what, what gets them moving. And I guess, Matt, over, over about five years, I just had this passion inside of me that said that I needed to simplify people's lives. I saw so much how, um, as I mentioned, we all have so many similarities. And at the core level, we all want to do what's right for our body. We all want to do what's right for the planet. We all want to do what's right for our, what's best for our local community, our friends, our family, our neighbors. But yet when we went out into the world, to actually live our lives, it was so hard for us to actually make those actions, put those actions into practice. We weren't benefiting our community. We weren't benefiting our bodies. Uh, we weren't benefiting the planet. And so I, I thought, well, wow, if the intention is there, why is the practice not happening? Uh, especially in today's day and age where everyone carries around in their pocket or their purse, basically an encyclopedia of, of the entire world and all the knowledge in there. So we're at a point in human history where ignorance is, is really no longer uh, uh, an option. It's no longer acceptable to say, I didn't know. Well, you, you didn't choose to go find out. You didn't choose to research. It's not that you didn't know. So for five years, I just had this passion. How can I simplify for people? How can I condense it down and really make it easy for people to plug in take care of their core life necessities. Uh, I worked on it uh, finally after five year journey to talk about how I believe I'm fortunate and guided. The day after five, uh, after five years, the day after I emailed my lawyer and said, hey, I need to go start talking to people about this was the day I uh, uh, randomly got introduced to an open space here in the historic Kansas City Club building, which uh, I'm very fortunate to be in. And so I knew right then and there that uh, I had just manifested a uh, um, uh, a wellness center, and that was actually going to be the first piece that I was going to bring forward uh, when I actually thought it was going to be the last piece, Matt. Being work, having worked in healthcare, knowing how complex it can be, I thought that was actually going to be the last of the core pieces to bring up, but uh, it happened to be the first given I was presented with this space here. So if we if we went out on the streets here in our hometown, and for those of you listening, we're here in Kansas City, right here in the middle of the country, good old Midwestern town, home of the best barbecue in the world, unless you ask TripAdvisor, who somehow <laughs> le left us off their list and then apologized for it. But if we went out on the streets and asked people to define wellness and we asked 20 people, they'd give us 20 different answers. How do you sure. define wellness? Well, I say wellness is definitely a mindset. Uh, it is not a destination. Um, and that it is encompassing of uh, all different aspects of life. But ultimately, it's about doing what is the common sense um, practices that allow your body, your mind, and your soul to be as healthy as possible, as stable as possible, so that you don't get sick later on in life, or you're not as easily susceptible to risk, health risk, or even societal risk, um, that you're able to handle those with a steady demeanor. So in, in my book, Balance Me, I wrote about this subject and stated in my, and you know, like I said, everyone's got a different definition. Everyone has different belief structures. And I broke it down into three categories, the three P's, personal, professional, and physical. 
And my, my take on it was similar to yours in some regards. And, but, you know, I, I wrapped it around my own experience set. And I, I think that if you have a hundred percent of your own effort, you decide to split it up into, into those three categories. Uh, there is no, there is no defined metric that makes everyone happy. Everyone is different. Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own ideas. And, you know, you have, you have what, what people are actually doing. If you give, if you give someone a piece of paper and you said, right, you get a hundred points, write down where you put your effort in the personal category in the physical category and the professional. And then you say, where do you really want to put your effort? they're usually two completely different scores. And, you know, like a lot of people, they want to, they want to do this, they want to do that. Um, so there is a difference between what people are doing and what they really want to be doing. Why do you think that that difference exists? Do you think it's just bad habits or is it something else? Um, yeah, I think, I think mindfulness is a big part of what we do here. And I, I think that's one of the biggest areas that's overlooked in the world of wellness, that they think a lot of physical body, uh, food, exercise, sleep, things like that, which they're all, those are all really important as well. But I don't think people understand um, how they set things up in their lives to distract them from what they're really trying to go after. And, and that's, that's what I heard you say there. You know, for example, people feel that when they're logging on to Twitter, they're logging on to Instagram and they're they're finding someone that really interests them or a topic that really interests them. They push that follow button. They feel, oh, wow, I'm, I'm doing something good. I'm informing myself on a topic I want to get informed on or on a person I want to follow. But they, what they don't realize is they're going to get now they've just activated a flood of messages to come into their inbox, basically their inbox of life. And if they don't know how to manage that then they're going to just do what their, basically their virtual personal assistant, which is what a cell phone is, tells them to do. And so there are so many things out there that are meant to distract us today. I mean, TV has been around for years. That's always been there to distract us. But the whole idea of the internet and cell phones are so small and so short in the history of human evolution that we don't know how to process that yet. I mean, when we hear that 40% on average of people's waking hours are spent staring at a screen, then I think it's very easy to see why people are not living the life they want to see because I know that people's most fulfilling life is not spent staring through uh, uh, a small four inch by six inch screen in their hand. So I, I don't think people understand the, the, um, the magnitude of all the little tiny distractions of life and how you handle those, how that plays into your greater time management perspective. Yeah, I have a, it, well, I mean, part of my take on that was what on the whole, you know, situation is that people just largely haven't defined what they want to get out of life on many days. And, you know, they say it's so generalized. I want to make more money. I want to spend more time with my kids. Yeah. Anytime you have a big goal, it, it's it's really like a thousand bite-sized tiny little actions and and little goals that get you to the big goal like you look at uh in, in people's personal lives they want to buy a house that's like one of the one of the the biggest uh you know the biggest goals that people have and they look at a they look at this goal and they're like oh my god it's unattainable it's too big and instead there's really just like 60 small goals that need to occur 
for you to get one big goal. So, you know, the, the way I look at it is you got to break those down and it, they say, if you're going to eat an elephant, you need to do it one bite at a time. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe start with the tail. So, uh, you know, so much about what people are doing is really like low value or high value activities. And, you know, so like, what's a high value activity in yeah. your life and, and, and looking at your phone, playing video games, uh, getting drunk and being hungover, those aren't real high value activities. So, you know, they're through, through the act of substituting, uh, actions that lead you towards some type of goal achievement, you know, whether in any of the cat in any category, it, it makes a big difference. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, we're talking about in the, some of this and spinning it into the the health and wellness within organizations. I think too many organizations and on some days, even my own don't do an effective job of goal setting. Like, is that, is, is how important is that for getting what you want? Cause yeah. in my opinion, without, without a goal, if you don't know what you're shooting for, it's like shooting baskets in a dark gymnasium, you know, like yeah. the ball might go in occasionally, but it's probably not going to go in a whole lot. <laughs> you're not going to know when it goes in either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Matt. I know I took your previous question as if the goals had already been established, but I'm glad you brought that up because it should not be assumed. The absolute first step is, yes, you have to set goals. Um, and there is a lot of science behind actually writing those goals down. You may have heard that. That is definitely true. You need to plan out what does that life look like? How much time during a week do you want to be able to spend with your kids or with your significant other? What are your goals in life? It, if it is a house, if it is financial freedom, or if it's starting a community garden, anything like that, that needs to be written down and that needs to be very clear and discreetly laid out so that you see that and you have something to attain to because you're right. If you don't set that to begin with, then you're never going to know when in your journey you have arrived at major milestones or destinations. Yeah, and you know, here I, I actually broke out a, so I, I created a scoring system that, to try to make it easy and like tangible. And I think this makes sense for people that are in like organizations because we like to to talk about KPIs and OKRs and, you know, what's our ratio of this and our factor of that. And you know, I, I think you can take your own actions and just give them a one to 10, like a, a 10 out of 10 is accomplishing multiple goals. That's like, a goal that that satisfies a category in your personal, professional, or physical existence, and the whole theory of like that that from in my world with that is if you if you're spending too much time in any of those categories, the other ones are going to come back and claim the balance. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're you know like if you don't ever exercise, that's going to catch up with you, and right. and it's usually because you're spending too much time in your personal life or your professional life, right? And good luck doing whatever it is you're obsessed with in those categories if you're in a hospital bed. Yeah, so, if you don't take care you know, of your you wellness, kinda, you take care of your illness. And if you don't, and if you take, if you, all you do is professional, your personal life is going to fall apart too. Your wife's going to leave, your kids are going to leave, something's going to happen, you know? And then, you yep. know, like a score of nine out of 10 would be a result or progress for a goal in a category. So that's st still great. And you get down to like, you know, an eight out of 10 as a positive gain, uh, you know, a, 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 towards a goal, but not necessarily achieving one. 
Um, and then you talk about things like a five out of 10, like there's downtime, like there's time where you're just kind of in the middle of the graph. You're not, you're not winning or losing. You're just kind of there. And that kind of, that time's important too, you know, cause, uh, you know, so sometimes looking at so I get uh, commuting as a five out of 10, it's not really a win or a loss. So, but what can you do to sometimes stack something in? on top of that. And and that's one of the things that I've seen change in different organizations. Like for example, we had, when we had an office, we had standing desks, you know, and just little yep. stuff like that. What do you yep. think organizations can do to try to improve wellness? You know, like, I mean, things like standing desks, in my opinion, actually help, you know, just little stuff. Yeah. Um, those are great things. I mean, First off, a an organization has to appear like they truly do care about what someone comes to talk to them about when it comes to their wellness lifestyle, whether it be their backs hurting because the ergonomics of their workstation is not right to uh, them wishing that they had an on-site cafeteria to them uh, wondering what type of uh, exercise program they could do with other employees an organization has to be empathetic. They have to understand that um, uh, if they are going to be perceived as a company that's going to care and look out for people's health, they can't, they can't have any hard lines in the sand. They really need to try to uh, um, show compassion towards folks. And especially as it comes to today, I think beyond compassion, then you got to show authenticity. I think we're, we're in a very, uh, a uh, very volatile spot right now where we were mentioning earlier a little bit about uh, quick solutions. And and we're hearing a lot about quick solutions right now. Um, I will say uh, back when the uh, pandemic started uh, over a year ago, I was really encouraged because I was hearing a lot in the industry how wellness was getting brought to the forefront, that, all, that these wellness companies' phones were ringing off the hook from companies saying, gosh, we gotta, we gotta really put in a wellness program now. But very soon, Matt, that dropped off. And for most of the, the lockdown in the last year, there wasn't a big talk about improving your health. It was staying away from how to avoid something, how to wait for this one solution, this one fix. And so there's not a lot of authenticity in that. You know, you can, you can talk about intentions. You can talk about um, uh, various risk levels all you want. But there's just not a lot of authenticity because anyone who's into their own health anyone who thinks about their own health nonetheless anyone who has somewhat of an idea about wellness knows there's so much more to living a healthy life than avoiding one particular thing um, or looking for one magic pill or one magic solution uh, so it does need to be a, a uh, all-encompassing effort and and uh, an organization can at least just start understanding the difference between the body, uh, the mind, the soul, you broke it down between your three P's, you know, at least have some sort of compartmentalization to understand that a, that a, a fully happy, healthy employee or staff member and a most, most productive and reliable uh, staff member uh, is, is going to be brought about through multiple facets, through multiple angles and not just one specific route. Yeah. And that's like I said at the beginning of the show that, you know, once again, my take on stuff doesn't mean I'm right. And I'm not a, 
I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a physiologist. Hey, you're, I'm you're, not you're an, a lot of successful I'm, businesses, though. I'm not. I'm not an enneologist. I'm an entrepreneur that uh, tries to figure it out on many days. And you know, speaking of which, if you want to discover how it feels to have an HR dream team, most founders want to know that your business is fully protected but don't have the time or resources to become an expert on every potential liability, you can count on Trinet's industry-focused HR specialist or guidance. They handle your employment liabilities, payroll taxes, and benefits compliance, so you can protect your business. Visit trinet.com to learn more. You can also look up Maria Redman on LinkedIn. Reach out to her. She is the best. I'm reading the lines, but she is the best. Yeah, we've had right. some had some great, great opportunities to chat with them. A true champion for startups and founders. All right. So yeah, is is wellness and these kind of programs, is that a product of an HR department? Because we were just reading re doing sponsor reads for an HR company. Is do you think that human resources is is responsible in organizations for this? Or do you think companies need to create their own their own do they have, do we need to have something that's our own section and division or group just for wellness? Uh, from what I've seen, the HR departments can usually handle that. Now they may bring in a resource or two to help them implement it and manage that program. But um, I, I look at the, the responsibility of human resources to take care of the humans that work in that organization. And so uh, and also, given that I think any organization does not want to create extra complex complexities or divisions or bureaus if they don't have to, uh, yeah, I would say that is the uh, that is the uh, uh, the right place for it. And um, so, when you say, do they have a responsibility to create a product? Um, you know, if if by product you mean a app, um, a solution, a program where people have a, lo a login and they're they're signing in. Uh, I'm not sure they have to because that may seem daunting in itself. And we, you talked about people feeling like it is overwhelming to buy a house. I think a lot of HR departments feel it could be pretty overwhelming to to start from scratch and implement a wellness program. So, um, you know, a product does not necessarily have to be the 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 end state world class um, wellness program that you're going to be able to get featured in magazines about. You know, it can start small it can start on even an excel spreadsheet to to track activities you know you're going to want to be careful about hipaa and making sure that you don't cross any cross any lines there but getting people excited organizing group uh walks encouraging your managers to to hold walking meetings rather than face-to-face uh, -face meetings um uh is an easy way to to get them moving um but i think especially in today's time that you're going to be uh, there's going to be a miss if you don't talk a little bit about the factors that have been on people's minds in this last year. And that is um, how to be uh, around close to someone else and, and respect where they're at in life and where their opinions are at. How to, how to uh, have a civil conversation at its, at its most fundamental level, but to do so where there is um, uh, mindful listening and, and empathetic responses and and uh, discussions that that value and honor where both people are at in their journey in life or maybe just in the company where they're both at in their development cycle and what they know about what may be happening in that meeting um i think that that type of uh, interpersonal relationship is something that uh 
needs to be addressed as well. And, and holding classes on that, pushing out a, a web-based program that you can, there's, there's tons of them online that you can purchase, um, are very easy things that uh, companies can do right now just to show that they care, that they're aware of the, the, the current times and that they, uh, um, they want to make sure that their employees, their staff have at least the bare minimum of resources to, uh, to become a healthier, happier, more productive human being. Yeah, and I, I got to be honest, that that's challenging uh, on some days, the bigger your company gets. And it depends because, you know, everyone has a different belief system. And, you know, there's some people, it's funny because my, my book is actually not about life balance. If you actually read it, it says in the beginning, it's like, this basically says this isn't a life balance book, people, because it doesn't really exist. It's like you might have it for very brief moments, but you're probably you're not going to just, you know, fly through life balance. But you you can begin to speak to people about some of these things. And, you know, you got a whole group, you have a whole class of individual that just eye rolls and is like, I don't want to hear that shit. I got it all figured out anyway. So, you know, it can, but that can be tough. And then, you know, there's a, a culture of sensitivity that has and I'm not saying it's it's unwarranted, but it exists that you know kind of that as an organizational leader sometimes i have to like write down everything i'm i'm gonna say well i write down everything i want to say and then i rewrite it into everything i'm gonna say uh and those are often two different things because you know there's sometimes it's it's tough and i i go through this with you know everybody has a different personality style entrepreneurs are usually on the driven side of things and uh, I, that driven dominant kind of side, which, uh, is, is not always sensitive, uh, to say the least. So it can be a challenge for, for that type a personality to deal with that. In your experience, do you find that different personality styles respond to different types of wellness, uh, programs or approach or any of any, like, is, is there, do you notice any difference? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, like you said, human beings are all different. So there, there certainly are going to be different receptions by different personality types. Um, <clears throat> you know, at its at its fundamental level, though, they do break down to several areas where most people, no matter where they're at in the personality type spectrum, they 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 respond to, they gravitate towards money being one of them, right? You throw incentives out there. Hey, we'll we'll give you a twenty-five dollar gift card to 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 take an hour and watch this uh, training program that talks about how to be more mindful. Uh, throwing out incentives out there are are great opportunities to get people to start taking some steps, uh, um, or asking them to walk ten thousand steps, and for every two thousand they get an extra point, and then that all adds up to some benefits that they may receive. Those type of gamification, gamification is a has been a big buzzword for a while, but um, it is very tried and true when it comes to getting people motivated. And so, uh, one thing that we saw over and over in managing wellness programs, and what we see here in the Wellness Club is, if you don't make it fun for people, if it, if you don't make it be a something that they want to engage in, that they they actually have a good time with you're going to fail right away. And so you do have to realize that there are different personality types that may want to cut through the fluff and they want to, may want to get right to it. 
they may they may they may be in denial mode but one thing they can't deny is how they feel walking up steps they can't deny uh what their ideal body weight is they can't deny how often they're getting sick throughout the year how often their allergies are acting up on them um you know we're we're over a year into a health crisis matt and how many people individually can say they're healthier today one year later than were when when they were a year ago right there's a lot of people who are going to say actually no i'm not i've i haven't done what's best for me in the last year so those are those are stark truths that no matter if you are a denier or not the fact is is what the fact is your your body metrics your your uh um your bio measurements uh and how you feel and act are are not going to be as as uh uh pristine or as in the best uh value or in the in the best range than what they were before the lockdown or during other times of your life so you do have to you do have to meet a lot of folks but for one making it fun is is a big aspect of it uh but also respect is another you know no one is um unsavable no one is unable to start no one is uh immune from this wellness thing you know it's kind of like i always say hip hypnotherapy like i i feel like i can't get hypnotized if i go to a hypnotist show and a comedy show i'm never the one that that goes under i, I just kind of feel like i'm not like that well wellness is is not like that everyone is able to react to wellness and live a different life and those carrots making it fun for anybody just needs to happen a little while it doesn't take long a few weeks even up to three months has been proven that if you start different habits and you do them for up to three months then your body pretty much has ingrained that into a into a permanent habit in your life and so it's incredible how many people start off with oh i'm just doing this because yeah i get some money if i fill out this assessment or um yeah i i uh i get this or that and then after a few weeks they don't realize holy cow i'm going to continue doing this i don't really care that money's great and all but i just feel better than i have felt i'm more alert i i'm i'm more present in the moments with my friends and my family members that's why i'm going to continue doing this so i say it's like inception you know you can't you can't go into a situation expecting to hit a home run with somebody who's not ready or teed up for that journey yet but never underestimate the power of planting a seed and getting them to realize that it's the best thing for them that's when real lasting change happens yeah and you, well that's the whole thing is change is difficult and you know i've talked a little bit about this the book that i wrote on it and i give some presentations to you know these are optional uh, we have a couple hundred employees in the philippines so when I travel over there, they usually, I usually at the request of management, I'll do it. And we do it on like outside of work. It's not like even a mid, middle of the day kind of thing. Like you have to actually go out of your way to come to this, but we spend some very personal time with each other, but that's why we start the, th write down your goals. And, and, you know, we don't, we say, say no one's going to see these today, but you. And said, so, no, don't write down your work goals, write down your goals. Like, I know you're here doing this, but your goals, the things you want to do now, maybe they involve work, but maybe they don't. But the thing is, like you mentioned, that change is so difficult. And that's why on page one, literally on page one of the book, and I'm, I'm going to read right from it. it, it there's, it says, 
Look, let's get a few things straight here. One, making real change in your life is not an easy process. Two, change in, involves acknowledging that you might be part of the problem, which I find is a key ingredient. And then three, true improvement and lasting change involve time, periodic review, and adjustment. Meaning you're going to get it right on some days and you're going to not get it right on others. Now, I follow along with that. I'm saying, look, if you can't agree to those three things, just put the book back because you're going to hate the book. You're going to hate me and you're not going to get anything out of it. So just put it back on the rack, <laughs> return it to Amazon, return it on your Kindle. And by the way, I made that book $1.99 on Kindle. That's as cheap as Amazon will let me sell it. I'd give it away for free all the time if I could, but, great, but change is difficult for people. And that's, I think with the pandemic, that's what so many people struggled with. You know, it's like you look at, okay, I, I, I was actually in the Philippines when in March of last year, I almost got stuck there, but I, I was watching everything unfold a couple weeks. Uh, it was almost like I was in the future compared to the United States. And I was calling home to my wife and I was like, honey, shit's getting ready to be really different, like really different. And change freaks people out. It just, it just causes our mind to go apeshit in yep. so many different ways. Yep. And, you know, like you said, though, and, and case in point here is these small changes and then doing them. And then you did that, you know, now you're on the third day, the seventh day, the 10th day, but some types of change become, can overwhelm the little stuff. And I think that's what so many people went through in this last year is like, how's my job going to change? How's my income going to change? How's my health going to change? How's my friends going to change? How's, you know, like I, my, my mom passed away from COVID and you know, that certainly wasn't something I expected to occur last year. Wow. And, you know, it, 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 with all of that, you know, it's like there's, you are rightfully freaked out people, but letting that overwhelm you is not productive either. You know, like the things you can't control, you're never going to be able to control. And that's the biggest source of anxiety that, that people have is usually over things that they can't control. So, you know, when it comes to change management, I think that that's something in, in organizations that uh, it's, it's a tough one to tackle. And it's something that a lot of organizations are getting used to now is reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about, uh, I, I said that just to sound fancy, by the way, I, I really only read like one article a month. But no, well, that's, that's not true. That's but I was, I was reading it. I was reading that a lot of, of uh, companies are looking at accelerating their return to the office. Because here we are now, This the, I don't know when this episode is going to be published, but we're a couple of days after the CDC just said, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear masks. Right. So we went from this one change of like learning how to work at home. Now, I've been doing that for 15 years, so I'm, I feel I'm pretty good at it. But most people suck at it. Just be real people. You're not working all day. You're not. You know, you're not. So now what happens when we go back to work? Like, you know, we it's like hot tub cold pool cold pool hot tub how do we how do you think organizations need to deal with the change of possibly going back or do you think that they just need to keep things the same like or maybe a mix like what what's your take on that well i definitely don't think they need to keep things the same and uh 
you know, I want to go back. Um, you know, it, it has been a, uh, an incredible year and I, I, uh, feel for you, Matt, losing your, your mother over this last year, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of heartache, a lot of loss. And what I think employers need to recognize is people have been forced to confront what means the most to them. So all those things that you mentioned, how does this change? How does that change? They've been forced to confront point. Yeah. what, what is, what do I really care about? You know, when you're, when you're locked at home for months or a whole year uh, and seeing very few people interacting very, very little, and you're just really kind of in survival mode, you really break it down to the fundamentals of your life. And so if employers, when they're welcoming people back, if they're trying to go from zero to 60 uh, in any sort of, uh, I would even say pre-pandemic speed or beyond, I think they're really going to disenfranchise a lot of folks by not being uh, uh, aware and empathetic to the fact that people now uh, call out BS quicker and easier than what they ever did because the 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 universal truths, what I call the 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 universal truths of life, which are no matter where you go in life, no matter what situation you're in, it's always going to be true. There, it's always going to reign supreme, and um, folks understand what means the most to them. They understand the importance of family, the importance of friends, the importance of a a local community that is able to provide for the the way of life and the lifestyle they want to live. Uh, they understand how um, uh, there's a lot of organizations and people out there that don't necessarily care exactly for their needs. Uh, they understand how the world was going so fast before this and and how they've realized that when it got when it slowed down over this last year, um, it really brought a lot of things into perspective. And so no, I think, I'm glad though, I am glad that you saw in the journal that um, a lot of companies are looking to accelerate that move back. I think that is very encouraging. They're not sure how to do it though. They're not sure how to do it because mm. like a lot of the employees are like, well, they're referring to the, the great resignation. Mm. Like a lot of these companies are going to be like, hey, we're going back to normal and they're expecting a huge portion of people to be like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not going back. And um, and then they did another poll too, that said, would you rather have a $30,000 a year raise and go back to the office or no raise and stay home? And, and two thirds of people said, I'll stay home. Holy cow. So, I know. And that goes against, uh, and by the way, I, I'm a huge uh, advocate. You were talking about like the incentivization or monetization or endization of, uh, hey, you know, we'll reward you for for trying something new. That there might there might be holes in that right now, and that's a, and that's a it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting conundrum for uh, for employers. You know, one of the, you just said something that really stood out to to me, which was thinking about what's important. And we just went through this here at our household because we went spent the last year with a, a couple $90,000 cars in the driveway that no one drove. Hmm. And it was, a, it was a, it was about a month that, I don't know, some, in March, a couple months ago. And my wife and I were like, why, why, do, what are we doing out here? You know, like, what are we doing out here? And, and we, we took the cars, but we traded them in. We have, we're a wow. one car family. We only need one car. 
And we went and took the fancy cars and their high payments and all that crap back. And they gave, and now we have one that we own has no payment on it. It's used. And it even has a small little door ding in it, which if you know me would have driven, you know, that kind of drives me crazy, but I did it on purpose. I was like, I came home and I was like, and honey, there's a little tiny dent here. She's like, that might be good for you. And I was like, it is. Cause I go to a lot of events. I go to a lot of uh, Royals games. I go to, you know, concerts and that stuff's getting ready to come back. And I, you know, I have this fancy car that I'm like the guy that parked it like 19 spots away. Cause I didn't want a little ding in it or something. So, yeah. So, but what is important to you? And I think that, I think you have a great point there. I think that any organization, any leader, anybody like, and, and I pride myself on doing what's right for my company. I, I, and I, I'm giving myself a good grade for, for pandemic management because I did always think, I'm like, you know, where, where are at full scale, we provide tech services. Our company is 100% people driven. We don't have a software product. We don't have a tangible product that you hold in your hand. We provide services for people. Therefore, the people that work at our company are the company's greatest asset. And getting going through that whole managing, like, you know, people freaking out a little bit, people wanting to be secure. Like we gave everybody a waiver uh, it, last year in April that, that said, hey, look, it, go ahead. We called it our loyalty incentive program. We said, hang with us through the pandemic. And everyone wanted to get, they wanted to know that they weren't getting laid off. So we said, here's a contract. Look, we'll get, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, here's two years. Two years right here, you guarantee me you're going to stay here too through the end of the year because we had clients that had needs. They had problems. They had to get through it. So there you go. There's a trade-off. And we weren't planning on letting anyone go anyway, but it made people feel better. They they felt like they were secure and they dug their heels in the sand. And it was, I'll tell you what, Heath, our productivity, because we have some ways we measure that, it shot through the roof. It shot through the roof. And then the byproduct of that is we said, huh. We don't need to have people come to the office five days a week, do we? And it's going to change the way we're doing business coming back because we'll go, we'll eventually go back one day a week. That, that's what our new expectation will be. And that's so teams can still meet with each other. People can still be around each other. And a lot of people wanted that, but a lot of people don't. Now, like I said, the bulk of our employees are in the Philippines and it's, it's different there. Our average employee commutes an hour each way to work. We were happy to give that time back to them. And that's why productivity shot through the roof. Because they had two hours back every day. And they're like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I will finish doing this. And I don't have to rush out the door. But that's not always the case with every business. All right. So I end my episodes. And I say my episodes of Startup Hustle because I am not the only host on the show. I'm sure you've probably noticed that on Tuesdays, Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology, joins us and talks a whole lot about Amazon, e-commerce, and probably whatever else comes to his mind. On Thursdays, join Lauren Conaway, the founder or the foundress of <laughs> Innovate Her KC. She's got over 4,000 members in that organization already. That's really great. That's We're terrific. really proud of Lauren for that. If you haven't had enough of Startup Hustle at that point, come on over to YouTube. Did you hear we started our own show? That's right. Oh. And don't ever start your own TV show. It's a terrible idea. It's a lot of work, but we're starting to figure it right out. <laughs> no, no, we have a whole different, we got a whole different piece of that. 
<laughs> we decided to turn the podcast into a video series and we talk all about great stuff. It's a, uh, for example, I just finished recording something. It's, we try to have a fun take on it. What does a CEO do? Uh, it's kind of funny because I'm sure I, I feel like some CEOs don't even know that. But yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on now. I so said we uh, we end the show with the Founders Freestyle. But before we get to that, I want to once again remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Trinet. Beyond great health and retirement plans, get access to commuter benefits, dependent care, and even pet insurance plus access to deals on wireless plans, massages, gyms. Learn more about Trinet by visiting trinet.com or connect directly with our rep, Maria Redman. And you can go to maria.redman at trinet.com. Send her an email. Tell her I told you to email. That's right. Stop what you're doing and email Maria and ask about what Trinet's doing. Okay, so Founders Freestyle, you're the founder of an organization, so am I. We're going to try to do our best job of giving some freestyle advice or takes from this show. What what's what's some some advice you can give to the founders of the world, or what are a few of your takeaways from our conversation today? <clears throat> wow, to the founders of the world through today, um, I think you definitely heard the importance of um, incentivizing not just your your uh, your customers, but also your staff your employees uh, that work for you and and uh, and bring your idea to life on a daily basis. And that if you're not investing in them, then your the health of your business is going to fade and is going to develop uh, problem areas over time. So investing in your staff, investing in your employees, um, considering the moment of the day, right? Don't be so quick to think that the release of restrictions or maybe coming back to um, an atmosphere where you don't have to do certain things or a certain topics not on the news all the time means that it's just let's get back to to quote normal as soon as possible we all know that people are in different spaces now than what they were a year ago honor that listen to that understand that and recognize the um uh <clears throat> the strength in mindfully taking care of one project or one task can be done so much more than trying to manage multiple tasks putting little amount of effort little amount of communication fragmented uh meetings and uh and progress um will spread it out over time there is a reason why we were forced to slow down here at this point in history. We are now entering uh, what is going to be the most important part of human evolution, and that is starting to function a world economy that is sustainable uh, all the way down to every level of providing products and services that are actually sustainable needs for human beings, not episodic ones, not short-term ones that have a lot of risk to to go off the shelves, but something that is going to last, something that's going to stick with your customers and and uh, uh, solve a problem that is going to be perpetually there, no matter how this world develops from this point forward. Well said. We didn't even get into the sustainability stuff and how our lack of it scares the shit out of me on so many days. So I'm, I'll stay away from that in the freestyle. We might be here for another forty five minutes. 
Um, first off, go to kcwellnessclub.com. Go check out what Keith's doing if you're here in Kansas City. I know only a small portion of our of our worldwide listeners. And thank you for uh, the people in the 177 countries that listened to this show in the last year and shared our journey uh, through the ups and downs. Um, I, you know, I'm going to do a follow-up soon. I, I recorded a whole series that I called the Corona Diaries that I recorded in the days that I was essentially stuck in the Philippines. And um, I learned a lot. You know, I'm going to go back and listen to, to what I had to say a year ago and see how much of that actually came true and how much of it didn't. Um, but overall, like, I think the one, one of the things that really stuck out, stuck out from today's conversation is, you know, what, what is important to you? What's important at your organization and how important or different would it be if something changed dramatically? Um, you know, you talk about, like, I want, uh, if my uh, healthy, happy employees do a better job, it just, it just stats yep. people. I mean, it's like just the step, the statistics of it are better. And, you know, I think it's important as a leader that the people that work with you and you work with me, not for me at full scale, we all have different jobs and mine's just a little bit different than everyone else. But, you know, it's important for people to know that and to, you know, and to, for you to be empathetic with the fact that people have lives and those things, it, real life supersedes the job that you're providing on pretty much every day of the week. So give a lot, give, give a lot of thought to that and do something, you know, like it could be little, you know, I'll give you an example. I said, we go to a lot of sporting events and stuff like that. Last, last Thursday, we decided to go, the Kansas city Royals had a day game. So we went and worked at the stadium that day, just went out and sat in our seats and we still talked about, well, I mean, it's mostly work because it was the whole, you know, the local office crew there but that was different and it felt good and there's little things that are wins you know like I didn't I'm a big baseball fan I didn't get to go to a single live baseball game last year and going to one earlier this year and I went first with my family it just felt it just it was like wow you know this is pretty cool uh it's pretty it's good to be back doing this stuff it was the same thing with with music and concerts and i worked in the music industry for almost a decade and um you know i i, I gotta tell you i didn't see a live show in 2020 i, I saw 70 live shows in 2019 so wow. you think about the things that the thing yeah we you know we took entrepreneurs investors influencers different people we have a suite at the local venue it's been so long since i've been to to, to the to the sprint center they changed the name it's now the t-mobile center <laughs> apparently it, it went from being all yellow and black to magenta which will be different it'll be different to see but you know overall there's a lot of little things that you can do in and around your organization that'll make a difference that will leave a lasting memory you don't have to always make some big splash. Just try, you know, try to do anything. And another thing too is I love the idea of the walking meeting. I hadn't even thought about the walking meeting. Like go walk around the block. Yeah, it's, right. it's nice out. It's not, it's nice out most of the time. It's, it's right. spring and summer, get outside, get some air. And um, you might find that that movement gets a, get, gets the blood flowing and some new ideas with it. So overall, those are, those are my takeaways. Heath, thank you so much for joining me. I'll catch up with you down the road. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Glad to do it. Take care. 
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.